0: hello and thanks for listening to crossfade i'm jason producer of the show we're proud to be on the Minmax network a patreon about games friends and getting better you can find us at patreon.com minmax you can find matt sweeney today's guest on twitter at the heavy jams with a z and find some of his work including the red dead redemption 2 house building ep linked in the show notes enjoy
1: Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson, joined by my co-host and producer, Jason Daphnis. Hey, Jason. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I've um, been super excited about this show. Uh, it's taken a little bit for this to happen, and, and we've been looking forward to this. We have a, a really amazing guest uh, today. If you're into video games, uh, you might know him from... Um, some of the music that he did for the uh, Red Dead Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack and uh if you're into rock music you know him from all sorts of things from Chavez which is a really uh, a great band of the 90s he was in Swan with Billy Corgan uh actually on one of my favorite records of last year Traditional Techniques by Stephen Melkmas, uh everybody from you know Neil Diamond to Run the Jewels to Iggy Pop um please welcome to the show uh Matt Sweeney welcome Matt
2: thank you for having me on and thanks for the kind words
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You always seem to have a lot of things going on. I know also at the end of this month you have the the Super Wolves, which is the uh, follow-up to the the Super Wolf project. Uh, I guess that's probably over 10 years old now uh, with Bonnie Prince Billy. Really excited for that as well. I was a big fan of Super Wolf, so um, I'm glad you guys are kind of coming back with that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to send you the record, uh, but I could get it to you afterwards and we could retroactively pretend that we talked about it. I don't know. Um, but
1: yeah, would, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, and uh, there's also the music Red Dead Redemption Two, the House Building EP with a, a, a great Americana artist, uh, David Ferguson, that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious how how you guys uh, kind of got hooked up uh, with Rockstar on this. I mean, Rockstar obviously we know them to be you know they're huge fans of culture and music. Um, how did you sort mm-hmm. of make that connection? Uh,
2: I'd say I there's sort of two versions of the story. One is that uh, well, no, okay they know me as a musician, but, uh, weirdly I used to, I, I helped set up rockstar games in the nineties. <laughs> um, I was maybe one of the first publicists. Uh, wow. This was before anything. This is, um, but, uh, but I actually, I, I had a relationship with the company for a really long time or, or rather my relationship started in the nineties. I was, they, 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 called it, I worked for a PR firm. I, this is when I was doing Chavez, um, my day job was a a PR firm gig that did music. And we got a call from these guys at this company called rockstar games. And they essentially told us, they're like, you know how the streets are all being ripped up because the streets were all being ripped up. Uh, yeah. They're like, okay, they're putting in these fiber optic cables that are going to let everybody play video games with each other. And they basically (laughs) we're like, Oh really? And then they told us about the games that they were going to do. And they already had, uh, you know they 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 already knew about Grand Theft Auto and they already had it ready to go. So what they wanted to do was just build awareness of the video game company. So they, so what they did is they had house music parties with like really really heavy house DJs and they wouldn't let anybody know. Our, our job was just to not let anybody into the house parties. <laughs> literally they're like we want you to let journalists know about the these parties that we're doing but they can't get in unless they answer three questions and there would be and there's like three really snobby like music head questions that you would have to answer to get into these like insanely great parties and they still weren't they didn't say it was a video game company didn't do anything it was really cool It was a really cool gig so yeah. I kind of, so I knew they were a music first company, and then life happened. And then I was at my local bar a few years ago. And uh, I think it was Tony from. They're, 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 there's a very small staff of music people at Rockstar Games, uh, I came to find out. And one of them, Tony, I think, just came up to me at the bar and was like, hey, uh, I'm Tony from Rockstar Games. And so, you know, because I've. The company knows me. I was like, "Oh, hey!" I didn't know why he was talking to me. And then, <laughs> then he said, "Oh, you know, are you interested in doing music for this video game?" And I already knew that the, that the game had been in production. So we had this kind of conversation, and then I figured that it was all. I the next day, I kind of was like, "Did that happen?" I don't even really, you know, like <laughs> like, like that guy was cool, and I like I like Rockstar, but I, I don't know. And then then they called me, they're like, "Do you want to do this or not?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, oh, that was real." And so then I met up with him again. And they played, they kind of told me what they needed, which was, uh, there were all of these little missions and all these kind of character driven small missions that they needed music for. And the whole idea is to sort of have a contrast to, I guess the, 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 what they, what they already had, uh, um, with, so it was sort of like, you know, kind of sort of like coming up with like a, a little B team, uh, sound, soundtrack work, um. But it was it was an interesting like they really knew what I did and they were coming at me because they knew that I played in a band called Endless Boogie, for example, who the songs are oh, like, yeah, yeah they're like twenty minutes long, they have no chord changes. So I think that they uh, I think between that and the finger picky kind of stuff that I did, they knew that I might be good for this. Uh, so when they told me, so, so I was like, okay, yeah, uh, you know, they, they showed me some missions and I, sh- and I could play, play some music and they sort of said they really wanted it to be as Appalachian as possible. Uh, and that's sort of when I realized that I was not going to be, that I couldn't do this by myself because I had this friendship, this kind of deep, long friendship with Dave Ferguson, who I met, uh, in 2005. Uh, working on the Johnny Cash five and six albums that uh, Rick Rubin produced, um, which are the Posthumous albums, I was brought in to work on those. I met Ferg there. Ferg was Johnny Cash's uh, longtime engineer. So when I met Ferg, uh, I kind of knew pretty quickly that all of these that that he was the guy who was in charge of like Ain't No Grave and and all all of this yeah. all those Posthumous records were really there were Rick Rubin productions, but Ferg had had sort of been there with Johnny Cash when he was dying, making all these all these recordings that were made with the intention of uh, of being completed after Johnny Cash's death. So I met Ferg, and he was he was just like really in no mood to fuck around uh, when I met him he, uh, uh, at Rick Rubin's place, and but we hit it off right away. So I had. And then we developed this relationship where I would go to Nashville and make records with Ferg, and Ferg kind of just taught me so much about uh, hillbilly music and country music and all this, all sorts of stuff. Uh, like all the artists that I was kind of had been obsessed with since my teenage my teenage years, I guess Ferg had worked with. So when Rockstar was telling me that they had to have an Appalachian sound, I was like, Ah, oh, fuck! I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. i have to split my money with fucking Ferg. Um, so so I took it all. I took the whole thing to Nashville, uh, to work with David because D- David's whole crew are, is, th- they are like the finest hillbilly musicians in that in Tennessee, I suppose. <laughs> um, uh, his, he's, he's just, he's in with Phil McCurry. He's still, he's in with all of the, the best players. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I had to take the music to him. Um, so, and then Sub so Rockstar Games agreed, as soon as they found out who Dave Ferguson was, they were like, oh my God, score, this is great. So then we did it all, so we, we kind of just moved everything to Fergie's studio, which is not, not there anymore, unfortunately, but it was a really beautiful studio called The Butcher Shop that Ferg and John Prime got in maybe 2005. I think they started that studio. Um, but it was this, it's now sort of a legendary studio, I guess because it's gone. Um, but, sturgill simpson also made it famous in this past year and had a, a hit record called the butcher shop sessions and a really really amazing place uh so yeah so that was it there th- that it was a kind of it was a wild experience kind of i'd never done video game music before ferg didn't didn't even know what random <laughs> no, redemption <I> <laughs> was totally, yeah. uh yeah um and that was really fun it's like there was like only a couple of musicians that think involved in our in all of our stuff that knew what Red Dead Redemption was and the ones that knew, you know, knew via their kids and knew it was a big deal. But it was really fun. It was very pure, you know, like it was like, you know, they, they, the, the assignments would be pretty straightforward. Uh, Tony or Yvonne from Rockstar Games would be there in the studio. They'd be like, okay, here's the mission, you know, uh, and then I would sit there and throw themes at them just on un- unacoustic guitar, you know, like, and then Tony would be like, too happy, too sad, too fast, too slow. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, and in about five minutes, we'd come up with the kind of an A part and a B part. And then, uh, we would start tracking the, 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 the song and we would have like, uh, you know, a bunch of musicians there sort of, we would already have decided what the music needed and in general the rule was nothing electric nothing uh okay so no electric instruments all sort of period appropriate instruments and also like the music couldn't be too bluesy nor could it be too happy (laughs) um there's a lot of like kind of modal modal music and sort of moody but then every once in a while, some mission would have to be sort of goofy or some mission would have to be kind of drunk um, or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of depending. So it was this sort of like, it was a really cool process in that it, uh, it was a lot of improv, in know, like pretty much everything was sort of, would be made up kind of fresh on the spot and we got get it down really quickly. Uh, and we did that, I don't know, for something like 25 fucking years. <laughs> uh, uh i don't know we worked out for a few years um we we, we would just kind of work for a few weeks and then break and then come back a, a couple of months later and i'm not sure how many times we went down there but it was it was actually never a drag it was a really fun process and then in that process the house the need for this house building song came up and that was something that Ferg. I, I had nothing to do with that. With that song, that was actually something like where they were like, "Oh, who should write the song?" And Ferg was like, "I'll try something." And they're like, "They they liked it," and then it became an issue of like, "Well, who's going to cover it?" You know, like we need to have somebody famous sing it, uh, or 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 do we? And then I, uh, I think, I I know that I rallied for Ferg singing it because I was like, "Who the fuck is going to sing it better than that guy?" Um, but uh, and I'm glad that they chose it. But and then it became the sort of. Weird little hit, you know, um, or big hit, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, 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 uh, well, but it's funny because, a- like, like we were hired completely to be anonymous, you know, like, like we're, um, we are, nobody was supposed to know that, that we worked on this stuff. <laughs> um, so it's cool the way that it kind of organically came to the fore that people liked, like these tracks enough that there was a, you know, rock star thought it would be cool to give the bands. Some jams on vinyl,
1: dude. yeah, absolutely. And look out for that. I think it's a little hard to find on vinyl right now, but it, it, it it's out there somewhere. Somebody's flipping oh, it really on eBay. Is, are
2: they? Uh, actually,
1: I went to a one site and I couldn't find it, but I don't know. That was kind of my main one. So hopefully, hopefully people yeah. can get it. But you know how vinyl is these days. People scoop that stuff up That's quickly. So weird. Yeah, I know. Like, I remember buying vinyl because it was like cheaper than CDs. You know what I mean? Was kind of why I started.
2: Yeah, you know, people <laughs> have not entirely. <laughs> completely new relationship to vinyls and, and i i don't even
1: know what it is anymore yeah, <laughs> as, far yeah.
2: As, as, as far as what their relationship they call it vinyls now um, Yeah, it's it's more of an uh, o-
1: object kind of like sneaker baseball card i think kind yeah of yeah for sure. yeah
2: i'll I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> imagine
1: that's driven by
2: men <laughs> usually yes yeah.
1: <laughs> usually is yeah but, <laughs> but um uh, one i had a, i did a question sort of and this ties in a little bit is um, and I was I was going through some of your background. I totally there's a lot of stuff. Me and Jason here are in Minneapolis and I, I totally forgot that Skunk was a Twin Town band. Um, towards oh, that yeah. kind of like that end like the end kind of weirder period of Twin Town. Um but I, which I twin, wasn't. Uh, I don't
2: think, uh, uh, twi- twi- twin
1: Tone. Sorry. Twin Tone. I'm sorry. Twin Tone. <laughs> yeah. Twin Tone. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Which was famous for the replacements. If people don't know, and then early like Soul Asylum were kind of their big, their big mm-hmm. bands. Um, but mm-hmm. I. So it, it's interesting to me your career, and I, I don't know. I, I'm sure you can't even plot this out. But like I was You know, it's like you worked with Run the Jewels. I actually mm-hmm. saw you on the tour, um, the Iggy Pop tour, when you came through Minneapolis at Northrop oh, Auditorium with um, Josh. Hunt. Man, that was a good show. Wow. That was so fun.
2: That was was so funny being on that college campus. That was a really surreal... It was a very surreal day. Um, But yeah, that was a fun show. I'm glad you saw that.
1: Yeah, and... um, But I, I just... I even say you were in, like, current 93, which is, like, crazy yeah. to me. Um, do you have to, like, go to, like – is your initiation, do you have to sort of do, like, something at Stonehenge, right, or something to get in current I 93? That
2: was an that, – that, uh, I, I can't say it's a secret
1: society. <laughs> I was going to say Tibet's probably, like, he'll have you, you know, put yes. a hex on you or something. Um ask, but um, <laughs> <ask David. laughs> But um, I guess my point is, like, you know, you've worked with, like, Ron the Jewels. You've worked with, like, Iggy Pop. You've worked at, like, you know, Neil Diamond. How, you just sort of, like – Put it this way: If I went on Twitter tomorrow and said, "Oh yeah, you know Matt Sweeney's he's on the new Beyonce song," I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." Or if it was like Matt Sweeney's joined Anthrax, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like you just seem to pop up in odd I try, I, I, situations.
2: I Beyonce, I, that that's cool. I would never join Anthrax because they suck. Uh, oh, anyway, oh. Uh, <clears throat> you no,
1: Testament? You more that, of a Testament guy, for sure. <laughs> uh,
2: uh But but uh yeah, it's it's kind of you know like what's the super wolf is the reason that i'm on all of these very well that's not true well the high profile pro- projects that i've done um are a lot because rick rubin really loved the really loved super wolf um which okay. is a project that i do with will Oldham, so rick heard that record and that's and so he called me to have me work on Johnny Cash was first and the Dixie Chicks and then just a the whole, you know, diamond, all sorts of stuff. So for a number of years, I was kind of just regularly going out to California to work on Rick records, which is why my resume is like, has got the, has got the, those juicy things <laughs> on it. it was entirely because of Rick. And then stuff like, when it comes to Card 93 or Run the Jewels, that's way more in line of just me being me. Uh, sure, Card Car 93. I, actually, no, current 93 came out of Super Bowl too. Kind come, come to of think Tibet was really like that record. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's I don't know. I, I I I I really. And then like you know, my high school band that was on Twin Town Skunk was Billy Corgan's favorite band. So I guess that's the other like. Yeah, famous guy, famous guy. Shit, um, but but uh, um, yeah. So that's awesome. You know, I mean, just stay yeah. open.
1: I guess stay open to what comes your way.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, don't die.
1: Um,
3: <laughs>
2: like uh, I don't know. I, I got I I really got interested in I, Chavez was my '90s band, and I really liked that. But and I was pretty into that. But unfortunately, for me, the, uh, the other members of the band were had careers and kids and stuff. And so I sort of found myself in my late twenties, not really knowing what to do with myself. And then I got interested in fingerpicking or I got interested in learning how to play fingerpicking because I, I loved listening to it. But I thought that people like Minneapolis's own Leo Kotke, shout out to Leo Kotke, the guy,
1: Tacoma uh, records.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved, you know, Fahey and all that stuff. And Kotke actually was huge for me as a, Teenager, I just love that record six and 12 string guitar. It's one of the best records ever in some ways. Um, uh, but I never thought that I could learn how to play it. And then when Chavez was sort of falling apart, I sort of had time to learn how to finger pick. And then that's sort of what my shtick more or less is. Um, as far as I get, I think that's why I get hired is I, I don't play, I don't overplay and I could sort of come up with like sort of pretty finger pick parts that aren't windy I think yeah <laughs> sort of I, I think that's what I got hired to for by for Red Dead was that I could sort of do finger pick stuff that's kind of you know quote-unquote tough sounding
1: or something yeah no that's awesome um well I think we should we should probably get into the albums here uh I was really excited sure. about your 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 pick um this just oh, so cool. people know this this is kind of out of print uh it's not on streaming either it is out there on YouTube. I actually I had found this on I had bought this on vinyl a couple I don't know, maybe five six years ago it was more and I, I kind of vaguely heard about it. it was the back cover photo of John Phillips is probably really what sold it to me. It's more horrifying. Than,
2: well, well why like, not the front cover? The, the, the front cover that your boy Bob Dylan stole is also yeah, pretty interesting. For, exactly, yeah, I
1: mean yeah. he stole it. Oh, for desire or yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, because I didn't know. Year,
2: year, years after that album. Click, that's true. That's
1: matches. true.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> put, put them up against each other. They're clearly against.
1: that is. Tr- I never. I never. I never connected. The- but you know, hey, Bob. Bob likes to snatch things when he wants to, for sure. It sure does. Um, but man, the the I, I people look it up. But the back cover photo of John Phillips, like, <laughs> It just looks feral, like drugged yeah, he out. Really, like
2: <laughs> he's, he's he's disgusting. Uh, on it. And, and then, but but I I kind of I usually show people that record because if you're a dylan fan it starts to it kind of undoes your entire reality when you see that he you know and desires is this really kind of important cool record of his yeah and then all for of sure a you're like wait a minute you know like he like th- that that desire album cover is so iconic and to, to realize that he felt completely compelled to lifted from a, you know, from a record that had only come out like five, six years, be- or not even, four years before. It yeah. S- speaks volumes as to uh, says a lot about a lot of things. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of, that's sort of an interesting place to start, I think.
1: Yeah, well, let's, you know. let's play something. Where, where do you want to start? This album is kind of interesting. People kind of hear this. It's definitely a, it's an interesting album, I don't know if the lyrics are going to come through as much, you know, just because we're listening kind of snippets, but it's yeah, sort of a, a it's, sunniness it's, mixed with a a, a very, very like kind of end of the 60s, like uh, burned out kind of vibe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 well said. Um, you know, I mean, we could, uh, I'd say, you know, like the opening of that record, I think is one of the more shocking and freaky, you know, you're in for a really interesting ride things. Uh, I'd say just from the up until just the first couple of lyrics sort of say it all, especially if you're talking about the end of the sixties thing. And, and also it's fun to sort of listen. Will Oldham turn me on to this record because I think we were talking about, you know, records made by horrible people and, you know, what to do with that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. For sure. and, And then, um, but then, you know, he said that this record is just one of his favorites because really everything about the record is pretty stunning. Um, But he had pointed out that the singing style, the the way that he sings these insanely dark lyrics, and he has this kind of removed, like he's watching himself, you know, do these terrible things, Um, which I think is, it just all comes off as very, very fucking real (laughs) Uh, and very scary. So yeah, maybe 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 that, that, that opening of of, of April and why don't we just hear that?
1: Yeah, um, all right. That's it.
2: Ripping bass. It's all the best LA session
4: players. April with the here we go. Here she is. Pretty Ann. With the peacock feathered fancy
2: That the Here we go.
4: Around her waist, it turned to live. And a jingle, jagged friend was dead. Excuse me? And the wine we spilled, it stained her pillow red.
2: Eric Burden reference?
4: And the midnight cowboys came and quickly fled.
1: That's not kind of my favorite line. Yeah. <laughs> Everything
4: was bringing her.
1: I just love this the whole thing was bringing her down.
3: Was yeah, it
2: great. And, then, and, then, and then now you know you're in,
1: you know.
3: Go
2: on your
4: bed And the gypsy woman once said Let an easy rider share your bed But she chose the drunken gigolo instead How were you no he was your brain and you sighed and cried and you hung your head and said that the whole thing was bringing you down
2: now check out this sick ass break too sample that shit
1: <laughs> yeah buddy evans uh is a great pedal steel player um and he's he's kind of to me one of the real mvps of this album the, he's the pedal so steel good on it yeah and,
2: and also the piano uh which i think is larry neckel um is really great i mean yeah the record's great um yeah so that's that jam the big
1: yeah yeah no i mean it, it there's a, a such a weird like, and and we should reference to some of the players on this like, uh, as you you mentioned, some of them are the you know what's known as the wrecking crew, which were kind of like the the legendary go to people that played on like more hits. Hal Blaine, uh, the drummer, who's I imagine played on as many hits as like any drummer ever. You know Beach Boys stuff, the most recorded musician ever, or something. Yeah, like. um, I think Joe Osborne on bass, Darlene Love of the Crystals on back, James Burton from Elvis's band on guitar, yelling. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's just a. I mean, you know, and, and those Mamas and Papas records sound great. I mean, Phillips definitely knew how to put tracks together um, in that kind of very like '60s LA style, and like this is just sort of, I guess that era is kind of coming to a close. But um,
2: well, yeah, I mean, you know, again, the the, the record is. <laughs> I mean, the record is in in every way fucked up. I mean, like, like he has these incredible musicians but he puts a record out that looks like that and and again like you know it has not saved for anybody lyrics at the very top of the of the album you know uh, and the record continues with Descriptions of uh, there's a line about a, a, a botched abortion. Genevieve late bleeding in my basement. But he sings it like it's not not really such a big deal. Well, yeah, I, I couldn't tell. If there, it, I
1: heard that it was a miscarriage, but I don't know. Or miscarriage? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, miscarriage.
2: Right. Yeah. But just like fuck, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and then like you know uh, the line actually the, the the line that I think Will had told me to check out was in. Uh, Someone's—I think it's called "Someone Sleeping." Is that right? Um, it's just got this amazing. There, there's, there's an amazing line. Uh, it goes uh, from a second-story window, caught a glimpse of someone's life, and it was mine. And my face was dark and dirty, and i had been crying. And he sings it like he could give a shit, and it's such as. <laughs> but he sings it, and it's, but he sings it perfectly. Yeah. It's really light. There's this whole like. There's this lightness to the vocal. <laughs> that yeah just as it goes on you know and then and then and then all these like like you said all these great decisions as far as how the tunes go really cool arrangements i mean you know yeah go ahead put on put on whatever you want because i mean i i know this record too well, well yeah so something it's like, some,
1: someone sleeping you just mentioned why don't, we, why don't we listen to that
2: uh sure yeah And also amazing chords.
4: In the morning, through my window, creepy sunlight chasing colors on my wall. By my side, she lay sleeping, cradled in her antique shawl.
2: So, just hang out with these women with antique shawls and shit. What's up with that?
4: (laughs) That was the era, you know? my cover Watch her face settle in my down I suppose we love she was good good to have
2: All right, here we go <laughs> sick chorus Oh set up for the chorus Some things are too good. Some things are too good and they go motherfuckers.
4: Remember the marketplace in you standing there, beggars all around the there's a the line. Like an angel from a second-story window, caught a glimpse of someone's life, and it was mine. And my face was dark and dirty, and I've been crying. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what is that? What is that? If your color
2: got love really cool backing uh, I, I love the way that he harmonizes with himself cool loose phrasing
1: yeah I mean that, that's the weird part is it's just it, you know he's clearly kind of falling apart at this point but like oh it's just like but I mean musically it's so
2: <laughs> it's so good it,
1: it's almost I'm, I don't also, know if I, it was and I don't oh yeah were you going
2: to say
1: no I'm just almost surprised it didn't do better <laughs> I
2: mean yeah Um, I, I had I think he was really bitter about it, you know. I mean, he was so messed up. I, I, his his book, Papa John, is sort of like reading Hitler's diaries or something. Um, but 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 uh, he he wrote this autobiography that I think he had to write on to, to for because he had all these drug charges against him, and he had to like write a just say no book. But in that book, uh, the book will will make your hair stand on end. It. Racist, sexist, horrific Ooh, book. Jeez, um, awful. Uh... But kind of compulsively readable if you're fascinated by the guy. Uh, and with this this book, this record barely gets a mention. He's like, "Yeah, I was doing a lot of drugs at the time. The, lab- the label didn't didn't support my solo record at all." Then he moves on. <laughs> oh wow! Like, so, I, don't, I think <laughs> he was in a utter blackout when he made this record. Wow. Um, or, or or you know, I think so because he's talking about such you know, I mean. I, like, he's talking about such terrible things, you know, and, but but he's not really affected by them, so I'm guessing that he yeah. was just, you know, really on some shit,
1: as they yeah. uh, My friend described this next song, which we talked about the drugs, but uh, it's sort of like the, the soft rock Waiting for My Man by Velvet Underground, oh, this uh, which is, is, to, this is the one Topanga, this, to Topanga Cam, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is like, it's, it's a really pretty, like, nice, and it almost, I think the lyrics c- could have even slid by, like, you know, FM radio or AM radio in the day, because they're not uh, you kind of have to listen for it, you know what I mean, and it has some kind of dated Shit. slang. But um, this is a great yeah, song pretty... about meeting your drug dealer on the beach.
2: Yeah, <laughs> meeting your drug dealer at like the farmers market or the beach or whatever. You
1: yeah, I love it. that he goes to the farmers market. Which <laughs> yeah. I suppose, I suppose back then though, farmers markets weren't like this kind of yuppie thing. They might have been sort of a weirder, like hippie commune you know what I mean? Those kind of like early like agrarian kind of hippie vibes or you
2: just you just wonder about the whole thing, you know, but and 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 again, anybody who knows the the cover of the Dylan Record Desire, so imagine this guy. I, I always imagine he's doing all this shit in like a top hat and a fur coat but he's like stinking and scabby and all fucking smacked out and, you know <laughs> you know driving his Rolls-Royce, you know? <laughs> like you just you just see it all. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah. Let's look to yeah. this. And this is one of my faves. Topanga Canyon is, is a really good one.
4: Sometimes I drive out to Topanga. I park my car in the sand Watching and waiting for a pickup
2: from my man Oh, that's right. This is what's so crazy. Now he gets the pickup. Now he does the dope.
4: And maybe
2: Now he's high. Checking out the farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> he literally goes, Mmm. <laughs> Again, just that dopey stand you know, just watching everything go by, sort of, you're sort of involved, who cares, but then, and, it's way, way, way my head. and here's the great junkie line.
1: But it's also one of those things that I think this could have snuck on the radio because it's like, if you weren't really hip to who he was and what was going on, you know, it could kind of just drift by you, you know?
0: <coughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, the, the record is a, is so, <coughs> it's fun to listen to, you know? I mean, it sounds great, the performance. It's yeah. breezy. Yeah. It's breezy and it's rocking and it's groovy. and
1: Yeah, totally. It's like
2: really well, incredibly well considered, you know? <coughs> um, yeah.
1: What's the other one that I wanted to hit? Because when I was, when I was uh, what, what listening about, to this what one. What about the,
2: the, the one, uh, and the waves roll in? People love that one. Is that Malibu that, people? That's the end of Topanga. They, yeah. That, yeah, that's Malibu. Malibu.
1: I can't remember. Yeah, we, they're all kind of like, they're all yeah, like about think, being think, stone on the beach, basically. Kind Or worse, yeah.
2: Um, uh, but yeah, and, and the waves roll in. I think that's, yeah, that's Malibu people. That's a great one.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, this is a and I'm sure was he one of like that, that scene where it was like all those guys like the band and, and Clapton and all those guys were like living out in like Malibu and like Neil Young and stuff just like I'm sure he was a Well, done with all that Yeah, stuff.
2: everybody a lot of people were out there
1: because it was really remote back then. Uh
2: Malibu. Like in uh so if if it wasn't Fab you know, it was kinda cool, dropout-y, The key West movie really used to be the same way
1: in the early seventies. Yeah. What's your so, Malibu people?
2: Yeah, check it. So good. God, I've heard this record so many times; it always sounds good to me.
1: You know, I, I have to say too that <laughs> I, I bought this record and I went through a definitely big phase of listening to it. But like, I tend yeah. to like just have my play records while I'm like, you know, doing dishes and picking up and stuff. So, you know what I mean? I just sort of, you know, I listened to it and I was just like, ah, I mean, I like this record, but. You know, for this show, I kind of tend to listen more on headphones and like listen to stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, wow, like this is most oh, shocking. Up. Like,
3: yeah, like, let it really bleed, G-
1: let it bleed, Genevieve. I was like, whoa, like, but, yeah. but even this, even even these like really breezy songs have a certain darkness to them. You know, like this song.
2: Yes, and, and like, and it's funny because it's just it's such a cool record. It's all the space.
4: Keep it in mind for some other time. Show you people really know how to live. And this is great. It took some time to find a crack in her defense. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna have to hold in her lot. You might say keeping abreast of her. Keeping things mended and All I know is that the waves roll here.
2: Nice lyrical flow here, I think.
5: Yeah.
4: Baby woman laying in the sand waiting for the baby woman. rappy
2: I was lucky enough to be friendly with Larry Nectel who I met uh, working on Rick Rubin sessions this guy is playing right now oh wow the fucking coolest ever he had, gonna have uh, stories yeah, he had retired in like the late seventies, I guess Larry did. he moved to Oregon. He bought a ranch in Oregon and panned for gold. That was his <laughs> Wow. That's what that's what he did. He was chilling. And then uh Rick Rubin was obsessed with him, I guess. And or Smoky Hormel turned Rick Rubin onto Larry Necktail, and Rick called him up and Larry was like, oh, I'm bored, I'll try doing some sessions and so he, he came back and was on that Hit Dixie Chicks records, which is how I met him, but he was so fucking cool. Uh, and he was he kind of got a kick out of me because I was sort of green and uh, I think he just thought I was funny. Um, that's but awesome. Nextel, so, so I would ask Nectel about all these records that he played on and he'd be like, I don't. honestly I don't remember I don't remember that one don't remember that one
1: don't remember that one and then I was like what about the
2: John Phillips record he goes that's a fucking good record
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> hey Jason I want to hear the next song too because I feel like these are like go together because he's at the beach and then the next song these junkies steal a drum from him oh yeah and it's <laughs> it's an awesome song he's, he's upset <laughs> which I, I do I love this song so much oh yeah
2: I love this one because it just, it just rolls along, you know, kind of goes on for a while, and it's like, okay, cool. He's, this this is just like junkie antics,
5: you know what
1: I mean? Mm-hmm. Like come, comes and goes, you know?
4: Yeah. They come get you where you are. Somebody's come. from my car <laughs> you know he was like
2: nodded out with his head on the steering wheel with his trunk open <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the beach <laughs> your this may have been when Sly Stone was, had taken over his house and he couldn't go back to his house oh
1: I didn't know this story what was that
2: yeah, they did, work. there's there's a riot going on, Sly was renting John Phillips' house. Oh, Jesus. And him and Jim, him and fucking Jim Ford, I don't know if you know about Jim Ford, but he was another ace, ace, upstanding citizen, uh, I'm saying wow. that ironically, um, but they, yeah, and so John Phillips couldn't get back into his own house, because Sly still wouldn't let him in, there's gunplay and all this <laughs> stuff, and. He complains, it it. he complains about a lot. He bitches about a lot in the book. It's wow! Yeah, he met
1: he met yeah, his so, match, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know. So this is, you know, th- this record really. I would say, if you want a '60s come down record, you're not going <laughs> to get much darker or more sort of musically substantial. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, well, let's. Anything else you think we want to listen to uh, that we haven't hit so far? We got. Uh, uh, Holland, Holland Tunnel, you know, let it bleed.
2: I mean, yeah, you know, I, I'm just babbling over this because I I I, 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 I don't know what the format is, but uh, no, we just, um, uh, uh, but you know, like I love that. I always have that. Uh, maybe it's the last song, ha! Holland Tunnel.
1: Yeah, Holland Tunnel. This was actually oh. in uh, Jason. You might know this from Squid and the Whale. I don't know if you ever saw that one, um, but yeah, let's play Holland Tunnel. This was. Uh, in oh, did
3: movie. they use that? So, yeah, so I Huh. huh.
2: So good.
1: Yeah, that is pretty much in my head most of the time. Yeah, yeah. On uh, an endless loop. And this is like my own. Sometimes I project things onto records, but because um, I'm sure this didn't happen, but I sort of like imagine in the context of the record that, like, this guy is like kind of hit absolute bottom in California. It totally. was like kind of comes crawling back to like New York where he started. Yep.
2: Yep. 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 That's totally how I hear it too. And in fact, that is what happened. Um, he got, a he, he moved back to like Connecticut, you know, or he had a place in New York. The, he had a line on, uh, Demerol or some, some kind of prescription drug and he had this He he, he set up shop in New York after Malibu and uh, did some amazing work. Made a record with Keith Richards. Did oh, all sorts of cool shit. You. That record's really cool if you can ever find it. It's it's actually even darker than this record, but it's not as listenable.
1: Oh, I had no idea. Oh, those two together. Yikes.
4: Yeah.
2: There's a song called She's Just Fourteen. I'll just leave you with that. Um, <laughs>
4: the shop on the corners, really true. Hot your watch and ring, cause it don't mean a thing. When you get home, I buy you. some
2: Yeah, that's what bad people sound like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do I do think that is a sixties thing though. Uh I was talking to Jason about that this week where a lot of times like the dudes that made this like sort of you know on the surface kind of sunny. Like I'm trying to think of guys like him or like David Crosby or somebody like that. Like sure. actually were like the most like this kind of you know, soft kind of folk rock stuff were like the most depraved, like way more depraved than like, you know, oh, the guys yeah. in Black Sabbath or something, you know. Oh
2: for sure. Always. Yeah. <laughs> definitely the like uh, you, you can't you know actually you know it's funny I, I, if I could only remember my name was another record that I had sort of thought about suggesting to yep. play um, and
1: I feel like this uh, David Crosby I hope really you remember my name and then On the Beach by Neil Young kind of have the for same sure. like for sure. real deadened out like heroiny yep. kind of death yep. of the 60s kind of vibe for sure for sure um
2: and it's on the beach. is great, you know. It's it, you know what's so funny is that tonight's the night. You know, which is also always kind of talked about in the same breath. That you know, as far as like a dark, druggy record. But tonight's the night's got such beautiful arrangements and harmonies, and it's almost like it was the last record where he was really putting this kind of melodic work into into stuff. And then I don't know.
0: I'm no, okay. i every I, time I
2: go every time I go back to Nice and Night, I'm kind of floored at how beautiful it is, you know, in addition yeah, I, to all the kind of harrowing elements. Um but like uh yeah, you should... Jesus yeah. Christ. Have you, you checked out this is astonishing.
1: The new archives box set that came out.
2: I haven't had a chance to dig into it yet, but um uh, well yeah, I mean god well, well I could just go on and on. There there, I. Actually, right before we did the new Super Bowls record, I was able to hear the famous tonight's tonight's tonight alternate album. Oh, the Briggs version. And yeah, it was it's so good. Oh wow! <laughs> it's, it's astonishing. Damn. Wow. It was just like somebody had. I don't know how it happened. Somebody had a cassette of it. It been. Some. It was. This was in Louisville. Some like very heavy collector had it <laughs> and had it, wow. it to Will. Um Crazy. Yeah.
1: Uh, All right. Well, I you know I got to stop because if I get off on Neil Young stuff, it's just going to yeah, derail like we'll this entire different. thing. Because oh, then I'll uh, just but, I'll just but but, but for sure amazing. yeah.
2: This is it's it's definitely I would say that Wolf King of, of L A is is just a really really compelling record and has so much value that the fact that he's a horrible guy is kind of it's not the point. You know, like 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 sort of the point is that it's a really exciting record and also I think it's a record that. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like what it really is to be in trouble, and what it really is to make horrible decisions, uh, and be in so over your head that you can't do anything about it. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> that's, um, that's a good way to sum it up. Um, and I think, yeah. well, actually, a you know, good segue. We're back in New York, the Holland Tunnel. We're going to yeah. go to the the East Village to CBGB mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. our next pick, which is my pick, and um. So this is a record, I mean, part partly, I mean, you're a guitar player and I, I was hoping this record might mean something to you. This record is very um, – when I was a kid, I grew up in a farm uh, in a, southern Minnesota and uh, I didn't have a lot of access to stuff. I could find Rolling Stones and they had this one time they did this like 100 greatest records of all time. and I, I, I just read that thing over and over again. And, but I, I couldn't really like get any of these records because, you know, I could only really go to Walmart. Um, yeah, and, I, and, I mean, maybe, and like, also
2: records – it used to be impossible just, I mean, up until – I don't know streaming. You couldn't find records, and and for sure, Marky Moon was a really hard record to find. Yeah, in the eighties, I couldn't find it. I I didn't get it until it, it was the first CD I ever bought. It was when CDs first came out. There was a CD of Marky Moon, and I bought it. But I so yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I mean, that, so, so it was I, probably I like so the, much
1: about it. The mid to so late nineties. By the time I got it on, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, I'd read about it, in there but there was just something about because they always did the record covers too, and there was just something about. And even at the time, I don't really know who like Robert Mapplethorpe was or the the photographer, but it was just like, it was that stark black with white writing, very plain. Totally. And, totally. and just, you know, my only reference, you know, I'm from a small town and, you know, so it was like heavy metal and classic rock basically in country, right? So mm. like, they just didn't look like how I imagined a band. Like, you know, he kind of looked sickly, almost like this kind of like, mm-hmm. and they were kind of dressed kind of preppy, but they still look kind of druggy at the same time, and I Mm-hmm. I just I, I didn't have, I didn't understand because I was sort of thinking like, you know, the kind of old badass rock star like you know that does drugs like Axl Rose or something like that. You know what I mean or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But um,
2: so you have that so kind I, of context.
1: Yeah. So or uh, or like Led Zeppelin or Jim Morrison sure. or whatever. You know that old you know st- stuff I got from dad's records. Whatever. So this um, really
2: was one of the first records that that wasn't like that kind of music. That you well, the thing.
1: No, I mean I definitely heard stuff. Like, you know, I don't know what you call it Jane's Addiction or whatever, but I mean, they're still kind of a metal band, but you know, yeah. it's just like, I read about this 20. and I thought about it. I, I, you know, I would call it corny. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they, <laughs> but they were different, you know, than like Motley Crue or something or of like course, GNR, course. but yeah, um, yeah. it was more this thing with a lot of these records, like, you know, I, like Captain Beefheart was in it or Patti Smith Horses was in it, you know, and like, so I just, I had like years, like maybe a decade of like thinking about these records and when I finally heard it. Um, it totally just was a, yeah, and it just, it just so, it, it because it was kind of punk, but for me, like, I guess I never really... And I think that was sort of a Minnesota thing, like, you know, in the Midwest. Like, even if you got into punk, you never fully, like, swore off, like, classic rock. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. if you think about, like, Husker Du or the replacements, like... No,
0: they you know what I mean? They always had a certain, like... Yeah, you know, oh, the like 60s element. Yeah, yeah totally. And sure. so,
1: yeah. um, it just this, it had such this, like, incredible structure. And I hadn't really heard... Like, I only associated, like, good guitar <laughs> playing with, like... Not that they're not technically proficient, they are, but like, it's very like almost architectural. Like they they build these kind of interlocking parts, and um, mm-hmm. and then eventually I found this tape in the Walmart cutout bin when tapes are kind of on the way out. You know what I mean? And oh, sick! Was, so, so you got it on a cassette. That was the first. No, it was even weirder. There was this. It was a compilation called Rock at the Edge, and huh. so I, I found the track list and I got it for like a, you know two dollars. And the first song it was Patti Smith Gloria Television Sino No Evil Blondie X Offender. Graham Parker, Saturday Night is Dead, Lou Reed, Street Hassle, Richard Hell, Jesus. Blank Generation, Iggy Pop, New Values, Lou Generally. Reed, Real Good Time Together, Ian Dury, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, and then it ended with Patti Smith, My Generation.
2: So, so your your life was totally changed. This,
1: this particular cassette, really which like, you know, I was more into buying CDs, but I would actually find cooler stuff in the Walmart like cassettes because they were just like For shipping sure. out these like boxes of random crap and like I even got like yeah. a wire cassette out of that one time. Um, so when I, but when I had no idea, like I had no reference for any of this stuff, other than Blondie, so I was just cool. sort of like, I was sort of surprised Blondie was on it because I just sort of thought of them as like from when I was a little kid, like being sort of a, a new wave band or something. You know right. what I mean? Like early MTV or whatever.
0: Sure. Anyway,
1: so yeah, so then I but Sino Evil, which like we'll play that, you know, and, and it's I don't know, just this opening of Sino Evil, like I just the way those guitars like inter interplay with each other and, and kind of are all naughty and weird. I just it just the sound of it was just man it really it really made a big 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 impact on me you (laughs) rock it So this just, you know, and I'd heard some punk stuff like the Misfits because of Metallica or like, you know, the Sex Pistols, but this was so like arty and I couldn't really understand like what his old persona was, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I you know what's really crazy about this song? What's the best song? Yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, I had a pretty similar experience in that I heard about it for so long. But then when I finally heard it, it was actually better than I <laughs> had even expected it to be. I also love the, the, that the chorus is, I, I understand all destructive urges. is a pretty great
1: Yeah, thing. they seem so perfect.
2: Yeah. And also like, you know, when you're 17, like I heard this, I was about to go to college. And I was just so stoked about you know going to do shit and finding shit out and stuff and and uh, I was going to Chicago. I was actually leaving the New York area and going to Chicago. But it's just the song gets you hyped. To you know, to me the this, this song sounds like being young and wanting to go to New York and fucking tear shit up and check yeah. shit out and you know. And I think that was the fucking
1: illest solo ever. And I guess maybe at the time, you know, I must have been—I don't know when—thirteen like or something like that. But I guess mm-hmm. I did. I did make some connection in my head to Zeppelin, which I still kind of stand by in a way, like with some yeah. of the ways Paige plays guitar, and, and yeah. especially the later, I mean, yeah, like or, the later Zeppelin stuff.
2: Sure, or like Grateful Dead. I mean, people would always compare Television to the Grateful Dead too, because so they have long songs with solos and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but what's funny about this song is, you know. It's actually a 145 rock and roll song. It's literally it's it, 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 structurally it's it, it's actually like it's actually like a blues song which I never even picked up on until just no. recently. You know what I mean? It's literally it's oh, you know, like Oh wow, no, they, yeah. They freak it so fucking hard and it's so fresh sounding that it's a it serves as a reminder that you could there's always a new way to do stuff you know yeah because I never think of it I think of the song as like so original and you know it sounds, it sounds like nothing else but then actually it's it, it is like a rock and roll jam <laughs> you know structurally it's just they they, they, they do such in- interesting things with the guitars and yeah yeah just perfect I mean it's yeah, a perfect I mean, song yeah, to me I mean
1: you know dude
2: it's the best it, I'm glad you chose this record. I, that was it was another record that I, that I considered, to, to, because it's like it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I never I'm I'm always stunned by it, always, always, always.
1: Yeah, it's never really lost its impact, and some things kind of do just over time. But um, geez, I want to hear Venus because like this is another thing about this band that I I um I love is that um, I guess you know another thing about them that was surprising is, like and and there was only a few bands I kind of like thought about. You know that that I might have had a reference for that felt this way, but they felt very like their guitar solos, even and and in, in their their guitar lines, they felt very like written. You know what I mean? Like not,
3: yeah, yeah very like parts. composed.
1: And probably yeah. at the time, maybe like I mean the other bands I think about are almost like Boston or like Brian May or somebody from Queen. You know, not that like those were really bands that they probably liked or anything, but both those bands kind of you know like the guitars are very much structured. Like they're not just le- they're not just like you know pentatonic like 70s you know just yeah running up and down not, the fretboard, no, i mean you know? they, they
2: they totally busted the whole shit wide open i, I think television did yeah i mean like like they, they they're they're these blazing guitar solos but they don't have any like silly like they're not like trying to sound like uh big dick or uh or put you know they, they they they're super musical they're really exciting they're clean they they're, they're the cutting. I mean, when I heard it, I was like, okay, I'd never, there's no identifiable lick, you know, like, like, there's that, like, everything sounds fresh, but it's all totally.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, let's, this Venus to me is like, I, this is one of my other big favorite of mine. And the guitars, especially, like, up to and around the chorus, and this are just like, they're so well written and just, you know, conceived.
2: It's. I mean, everything about it, and then also the lyrics are the lyrics are real. I, again, also, I just I love all the lyrics. I I never quite know what he's talking about, but I completely know what he's talking about.
3: <laughs> <You know>? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but this this is one of my favorite things right here. Do 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 do. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it, it almost reminds me of like like, Tell Me More, Tell Me More from like the Grease soundtrack totally. like, Johnny, Hey man, what's a, going on? <laughs> it's a
2: Johnny is it's a, it's a total nod to like the Johnny
1: Thunders oh, vibe Oh, okay <laughs> Yeah, like the, the kind of Sweat Hogs kind of thing
0: Yeah
2: Yeah, like, this is sort of, this record is like kind of like all the good parts about drugs, and the, <laughs> the John
1: Phillips yeah. record is all the bad parts. <laughs> totally, yeah. It's like when it's all new.
5: Yeah, totally. And I fell sideways laughing with a friend from many stages. How we've felt. Did you feel low? Not at all.
1: Not at all. Oh yeah, I me. Mean, it's like a New York, yeah, totally New York Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, I keep in mind,
2: you know, Richard Hell was their original bass player. They're all hanging out with each
1: other. Yeah, which Blank Generation I almost picked too, which is maybe the other great album of, for me of that era for you guitar. Know,
2: you know, do you know the original,
1: the original version of Blank Generation was. Did Television do it? Because I don't. I don't heard no, some of pretty, that stuff
2: it's, it's pretty astonishing it, it, it was a 50s novelty tune called beat generation and it will it will upend your your, your your it's really funny when you hear the original it's 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 identical and it's a like a novelty song making fun of beats of, oh of okay life. and so so that, that, that song
1: is a cover <laughs> oh, I didn't. Wow, I did yeah. Wow, crazy. I'll check a, that out. It's a cover. It's a cover of a joke song. Yeah,
2: it's a <laughs> right, cover gotta, of a song. It's a cover of a song making fun of counterculture, done by a. Stri- <laughs> and but like like it's a square take on making fun of counterculture. Like these kids are so weird. That, like, yeah, yeah.
1: It. Wow. Okay, um, I'll check that out. Um, yeah. I gotta be conscious. I'm not just playing every song all the way through here because you know uh, I'd like to. Um, but uh, okay, I wanted to well, wow, we should we gotta do Marquee Moon because that's the we might have to well, skip yeah, around then, on this. I mean,
2: well, that's this, the thing. You know what? I mean, yeah. It's I, I'd say just let it play, play play the intro and then we should just talk. Yeah, the, yeah the, I the, mean, the, the intro is a pretty good like you want to hear want to hear what two electric guitarists can do. This is
1: pretty cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like a you know landmark to me and just yeah yeah it changes the way I hear stuff. And I just hear that even at Dennett, it's like. I hear that so much in like, you know, all the kind of, you know, and even maybe Chavez is part of that. Kind of like whatever you want to say, like kind of post-Fugazi, like, you know, American kind of like post-punk stuff, that kind of choppy guitar style, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. One
2: thing people never talk about is that the drums are so ridiculously incredible in television, and there's nothing like them. There's no, I, I don't know. I mean, they're sort of jazzy, but they're really rocking. They're, they're they're probably the smartest thing about television is how the drums go. I
1: think. Yeah, Billy Billy Ficka and, uh, yeah. and Fred Smith on bass, Another also awesome, very melodic bass player too, and
2: An amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, the way that they. You know, there's an the expression, stay in your lane when you're playing music. This Marky e. Moon is like the classic example of like, everybody's got their lane, nobody's stepping on each other, and everything sounds fucking amazing, and everybody's playing off of each other. You know, it's all interlocking and shit, but for sure. But... And then this bit, like, what
1: the fuck is going on here? It's so amazing. Yeah, just, I mean, it's like... You don't. I don't use the word like when it comes to rock music, like elegant that much. But some of their lines are just like they're so.
3: Oh yeah. Just kind of rising
1: and falling, like you know, runs are just so. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's such you know? a
2: strange. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. It's such a weird record. Also, it's like it's just stands on its own. There's their their record after that is really really good, but it's not that. It's not Mark Markingman is just a really weird record for me at least. I love it, and it's just this singular thing, you know. I really have no interest in any other thing that
1: any of those other guys it's all just this album you know I like um uh, I'm kind of an adventure defender It's great um, I mean
2: it's awesome it's a great record it, If it was I feel awesome.
1: like if adventure was sounded or produced this exact same way as this I think we'd feel Maybe. differently and but Maybe I also but think they, those on that uh, uh what's that old live at the old War, Waldorf um I think the adventure songs sound pretty good on that live
2: but, incredible. but it's not yeah. it's
1: not you know it is not
5: it's just yeah, this weird, I, I,
2: again, there, there are so many, th- I mean, I love all these other things that are outside of Marky Moon, but there's just something about, like, I love Johnny Jewel and all that stuff, and live, there's mind-blowing live stuff, but there's, I don't know, that's, this is just me, I just, no, I got the, record, yeah. is, the record is just freaky, it's just a strange, yeah. kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. Spiderland is sort of that way, I suppose, to yeah. you know? like, just I feel like, that it's way this, about
1: Horses by Patti Smith, I like other Patti Smith stuff, but Horses mm. to me is is kind of just a different thing to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, although still, that record is... Well, no, she did some... You know, it's, it, that's incredible. There, there's something about, like, kind of how... Actually, I'd say Spiderland, and you can nerd out of and compare Spiderland and Marky Moon in certain ways just because they're... They sound like inside-out rock music. It sounds like nothing you've ever heard. But then when you settle in, you're like, wow, these are narratives and... Yeah. You know, weirdly, the, the, there's all sorts of country music references in the Slint album. You know what I mean? There's, it, it's like, it it works. Oh, they, said, it. they really are both just like these magnificent reworkings of rock that are somehow not, the... not pretentious. And are, although, actually, Slint is more difficult than, than television. But still, it's just, I don't know.
3: Yeah, but truly, I mean... Uh...
2: Truly awesome. I don't know, like, like awesome is the true word of, like, how the fuck mm-hmm. do they think to do
1: this, you know? Totally, yeah, and they both have their own kind of sound world, you know, it's like, you're kind of in yeah. that world. I think we Yeah. yeah. hmm Jason, I want to go to, like, the kind of, at, like, 7.50, there's kind of, like, the big build. I just want to hear that before, because, you know, it's, like, 10 minutes long, but I, that part is so awesome at, at
3: 7.50.
1: Oh, that's the, uh... Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of coming out of a solo here.
2: No, no, you gotta go before then, dude. It's, it's, it's. You gotta get the break for hesitating. That, that's the list. Oh, maybe like you're, 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 you're past it. It's after the second, <laughs> after the second chorus before the whole long. Oh, it's so like five
1: twenty-six, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Should I like take in that down? It is...
2: It's after the second chorus, so it's like the best run, guitar run ever. It's before all that business. (laughs) You know what, forget about it. (laughs) Uh, Because now we're just sort of out of context. Um, But there's a run, there's a guitar run after he's, after the chorus that follows the line, the the singer says hesitating, and then there's this. There's to oh, me yeah. the best. The, I I would say it's the best electric. I don't know the best, but it's necessarily the best. But the one that just I just I still can't believe it. I don't know how to play it. I can't figure it out. I sent Blake Mills that that lick, and Blake is sort of the best guitar player I I know. Um, and I sent him that 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 run after hesitating. I was like, play this, and he was like. He was like, "What the fuck is that?" And Blake, Blake could, it was like an hour later. He's like, "I'm still trying to figure it out." Wow! And it just, <laughs> and it just flies by. But you do well to find that part. It's so sick. It's just, it's literally like a five second blast of notes. That's everything. um
1: But uh right, let's go find it. It's, it's so sick.
2: Yeah, it's before all. It's, it's before this long thing. And yeah, I, and Jason,
1: I, go back I, to like maybe like three minutes or something.
2: We'll it's
1: played by it. Richard Lloyd um, Richard Lloyd lived uh, in Minneapolis briefly at the end of his life. Did he? Yeah, I is guess he, he taught st- lessons. Or is he no is he still alive or is I he think he's, yeah, he's still oh, alive Sorry, um, yeah uh, yeah Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, he than lessons and
0: stuff Alright, we're ready to start so at 325, if you if you right
1: well, let's see us see, not know not know, let's see if that's the part I have the lyrics up so I can tell. This is it. It's after the chorus of this, I think No, you gotta go back, Jason Go back another minute or two <laughs> maybe we, come... <laughs> we, we just passed it this is, go like back sitting a minute.
2: Around, this is like sitting around with dudes Trying to p- find the cool guitar
0: part Yeah, wait, yeah, stuff,
1: like needle wait, dropping wait, here wait, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, wait. yeah If you
0: went back to three, go back to two, Jason Okay, we're at 2.30 I'll pop back again
2: There it is, I think the error right there I think that was it It was after that
1: business. Here we go. Yeah,
5: if this ain't it, then it is. The
0: listeners will have it.
2: Hesitating. Wow.
0: God, they're good. And that, that flummoxed Blake Mills? Yep. Holy hell.
2: Because it doesn't have the notes. You hear it, you think it's like a pentatonic run, but then yeah. when you actually try to play it, it's not. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um,
1: yeah. All right. Yeah, that was I cool. I forgot about that one.
2: That 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 is a run that I think I will never learn just because I like that. I like knowing that it can't be played, even though it... I
1: could listen to it a million times. Uh, speaking of, you know what? Is, if we're doing like stuff we don't understand, I, I actually mm-hmm. was excited to listen to this song with you because I was hoping you could shed some light. Jason, no, let's listen to "Elevation" just from the beginning. But this, like, um, when I first heard this song, you know, probably on CD, I was like, "Did I have a skip on my CD oh, yeah, or something?" Yeah, yeah, and that, like, I've yeah, still yeah, to this no, day, I've listened to this. Then then I like got a record and I was like, Do I have a skip on the record? And then it's like now it's like Spotify. It's like, yeah, well, Spotify know, doesn't have a yeah. skip.
2: I don't know how they do that. I think that they were just
1: eyeballing it because
2: cause, cause it's I think they they're still holding tempo. They're just hitting this really yeah, strange
1: It's and I don't know if you notice this, Jason, but let's see hear elevation from the beginning. It doesn't take long to get to the part and you'll you'll notice it, but it almost like I I literally thought that it was something wrong. And great melodic bass playing on this too by Fred. Yeah man they were so good. It's so crazy.
2: There's a funny bit in uh, "Please Kill Me" where they <laughs> they're on tour in England and they they get an advanced cassette of the Cars record and they realize that they're they're never gonna <laughs> that their career is
1: effectively over because <laughs> <laughs> they were just like this is pop and we're not.
2: Yeah, they're just like we're on the same label as these guys. This this works, you know. <laughs> like, Why don't you say so?
5: Say so? I'll tell you, every
2: time that I dig in and start to mess around learning television and guitar parts, they're so much more sophisticated and smart and musical than um, than, than I am.
1: Yeah, and this coming up here, you'll hear it. A bit. It's just like yeah. Uh, could that be a tape edit? But I don't know.
2: No, no, they, they, they they're holding tempo, and the guys hitting just it, it's just a guitar hit on a crazy up syncopated upbeat. But it's funny because the the band, if you're counting, they're never they're, they're never losing tempo
1: yeah it's so cool it's always yeah. just like you know freaked me out for some reason
2: <laughs> yeah there's so I mean yeah that record's ridiculous also you know what's funny is I think they're television is sort of like they're so good at I don't know if anybody could do it though they, they might even be a bad influence it's like don't even try
1: <laughs> yeah um, I'm trying to think do you know I, Chris Forsyth you know, like, yeah he's he does some kind of stuff in that zone
0: oh
2: yeah no or, i mean well yeah he's he's great um it's, it's just more about this i mean chavez was i mean I, you know like again this record is a big part of how my brain works um even though i still don't understand it um but for sure stuff like chavez was really influenced by this yeah but we, we were i don't know it's really
5: hard to do <laughs> that's all i can say yeah
1: for sure we're coming up on a really amazing Lloyd guitar solo on this too, which is one of my fave solos. Yeah. Just ever.
2: He was also so solo. good looking back then. Yeah. He was also like the best looking guy in rock.
5: Yeah. There's
2: that photo of him smoking in the hospital bed. <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, it's so good. This is so good right here. And that sounds like he's double tracking.
1: Oh, okay. I think so, right? No, I think I can kind of hear that, like a slight phase kind of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah actually, when I'm l- listening to it through these weird speakers and all the digital stuff, it really sounds like I could hear the double track.
1: so
5: good
1: um any well we got guiding light prove it torn curtain friction anything what what sounds good
2: oh they're all good play you can play the the intro to guiding light it's a really great riff yeah that is that's a great song
1: these new york bands like were kind of like progressive but also had this kind of like very like 50s kind of vibe too which i always find very interesting
2: they they were interested in like making rock fun you know again or but but yeah it is interesting how there's always a 50s thing happening but then you kind of got to remember that the point of punk rock was that they wanted to make rock sort of exciting and fun again like like the 50s stuff
1: yeah yeah
2: so. But again, but I, yeah, it's incredible what, what 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 television pulled off is really neat. It's it's uh, I just don't think any other band did it. <laughs> it's like they yeah. they long drawn out things. They you know like they're, they're jazzy without I don't know. They somehow they, they pull all of it off and it just sounds like really cool music made by you know like young people. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, they were interesting in that, of that era, especially the early punk era, like, they were probably really one of the only ones that didn't feel like they'd sort of, like,
3: because
1: the big thing then, I think, was really, like, you know, like, one of the things about the 50s thing was it was, like, we want to go back to, like, just short, sharp, you know what I mean, and, and, but they didn't really feel like they were rejecting the late 60s either, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying, it's like, it's like they have,
2: you know, like, you can't, I mean, they had fucking 12 minute long songs I mean the songs go on forever <laughs> you know it's like yeah, that is long you know things that, that the only bands that were going for that were like San Francisco style bands or or the Velvets you know but they but they don't sound like the Velvets television <laughs> Really cool chords. too. this is this is a fun song to learn. Just as far as how to just playing chords along to it's
1: really neat. Yeah, great drumming here again, man. He's good. Shit, it's ridiculous. Here we go. Big rock solo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this feels like the spotlight. The disco ball yeah. goes on. You know, totally.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the song sounds like a disco ball song. It sounds like like it's Sounds like the song that you wish, you know, it's it's the prom theme to the prom that that you would that never existed that you wish <laughs> existed. Yeah, totally. You know? This is so pretty. This part. Yeah, they really
1: pulled it off. They did. These guys might go somewhere.
5: Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I want to be conscious of your time. Um, I feel like maybe we could quick listen to Friction. I feel like that's kind of a, a, a classic one off this. Um, and then I, I, I know you probably. Uh, are, I like. A little,
2: Listen to it. I like how, how there's so many like dick references and prick references on this album
1: <laughs> I never noticed that they were supposed to be the intellectual ones so maybe you didn't expect it alright let's play Friction Jason
2: I have no idea how to play any of these <laughs>
1: yeah when i was young and i heard this i I really didn't like verlaine's whole vocal kind of persona i just didn't have a
2: i I I, I don't know i don't know what it is and and i don't even know why i like it but i like it you know yeah yeah because he's definitely it's it's very strange it doesn't even sound like a guy that like you want to hang
1: out with (laughs) no no because it's kind of like it's kind of nasally and weird but it's it's, yeah it sounds kind of like a dick yeah but it
2: yeah, like, or, or, yeah, just sort of like it. Like he looks like the know-it-all, smarty, smart guy in the corner smoking the cigarette, talking shit. But everything
3: worked. <laughs> He's yeah, right about
1: yeah, everything. yeah. And I, you know, especially coming from like you know more metal and classic rock, he just it seemed kind of aggressive, but in this sort of like kind of nerdy way. And I, you know, I, I even yeah, like even Needley, even somebody like Lou Reed or Iggy who were different when I heard him, like they still kind of fit in this kind of like cool guy, like, kind of leather jacket kind of way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or, like, badass kind of way. And this guy seemed, yeah, more like kind of this kind of nebbish, but you sort of aggressive and weird. He's somehow not annoying, even though he should be, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. But, yeah, I, I, I was just more perplexed by him. Uh, and I, I, it took me, you know, a while. I, I, I think it's I, I think it's because the voice is with such, like,
2: confidence rolling kick-ass, exciting, gleaming music that it all sort of fits well together. Did you want to move to New York when you heard this record?
1: <laughs> kind of. I mean, you know, that that, that era, you know, certainly, more you read about it. And I read Please Kill Me by Legs McNeil, which he references a great kind of oral history of that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone at a certain point harbors that thing, especially... But, you know, it's like you don't want to move to the New York that it was in, like... 1994 or whatever, you know, you want it to be like New York of 1974 or five, so, you know, but the idea of that, yeah, absolutely, it's so romantic. I mean, that whole CBGB thing was just like it's a
2: very,
0: uh,
1: very
2: rom- actually, yeah, that, that, that's the word I was going for. The, the whole record is like ridiculously romantic in a, you know, probably more for white guitar player type dudes, but nonetheless, it is very, very, very romantic. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and you know at the same time there was also hip-hop was starting so it was kind of like everything was really happening you know the, the, the you know the, the writer luke santi uh
2: l-u-c-s-a-n-t-e he wrote that book Low Life, which is usually sitting next to people's copy of please kill me um i haven't read that great uh, that was oh, a great Gangs of New York was based on Low Life, the the movie Gangs of New York. But uh, this guy, Luke Sante, is a really great New York historian. uh, And he was of the age where he was running around and seeing television and stuff. And he has a great, great, great book uh, called Maybe the People Would Be the Times, uh, which is a love reference. Um, But yeah, if you like that record, Marquis Moon, if you're interested in what 70s New York was like uh i highly recommend checking out maybe the people would be the times uh by luke l-u-c santi s-a-n-p yeah yeah
1: Yeah, i mean i've heard the name i think i recently read the beastie boys book and i think they gave him like a little section they kind of gave different yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he got a section
2: He's, he's one of the best writers that we have going period that's awesome about late 20th century american culture he's the man um but he writes really, really well around that time, <clears throat> and I, I'm reading that book right now. So it was cool that you mentioned this.
1: Yeah, no, we'll we'll check that out. Um, well, I I don't know. I we did we do take some reader questions, and I don't know if you have. Are you, do you need to get going? Because we we've kind of probably kept you over here. Um, we can.
2: That's cool. I'm just looking at all this delicious food that I'm gonna fucking nail when I'm done talking to you <laughs> but
1: no i'm cool <laughs> okay cool
2: um,
0: uh, yeah matt mentioned a pretty deep cut one um and uh and i hope it is uh michael lynch says hey crossfaders and welcome to the show to matt sweeney um i was delighted to see that you had worked on the probot album with dave grohl do you have any stories about the process of putting that album together or the time in general
2: oh yeah that was really fun um that's a good question uh Dave called me. He we have been sort of talking about doing music stuff, and he wasn't doing the Foo Fighters anymore for two seconds or for that year. I don't um, or he and he just wanted to make some music that he felt like making, which happened to be yeah. Jesus called me. He's like, man, I have this idea. He's like, I don't know what to do with the Foo Fighters, so I had this idea about like doing a record with all those great '80s obscure heavy metal singers and just sort of doing that i was like dude that's a great idea (laughs) so and because we had, not he knew that that i liked a lot of these bands and so we had uh so we just came up with a list of like wouldn't it be cool if we could get you know and we came up with all these he had a list i had a list and actually uh kevin sharp i have to give a shout out to kevin sharp the singer of the brutal truth because he i think about 90 percent of the Of the vocalists that we got were we're, we got from kevin's rolodex i was like what about you know what about chronos from venom he's like conrad is an aerobics instructor hold on i got his number (laughs) the most intense was king diamond for sure yeah
1: i was going to ask about that
2: so cool because and so david already had this had had the tune so so what we so I went up to Dave's house and he came up with all these tunes and we'd, he would like come up with the music with the intention, with like a song, here's the, here's the one for King Diamond, you know, and then send them the song and they would put the vocal on top, however they saw fit. So, you know, so King, <laughs> so I get King Diamond's number, I call him up and I was, I was cold calling all these guys. That's the thing, they, they, you know, so part of my job was like Dave was too nervous to call these guys. Um, and also keep in mind that Dave wasn't famous back then. Um, he was in Nirvana, but it's still the Foo Fighters were, had made made one record or whatever. And so he, so I would, but they knew. I guess he was famous, but it was just it was it was it was different. So I'd call up and be like, you know, I'm calling for Dave Grohl, and most of them be like, oh, right, then the Nirvana guy. What what's up, you know? And so I remember with King. First of all, I was like, hello, is King there? This is King. I was like, hey, I'm calling for Dave Grohl. He goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is just so insane just the <laughs> first thing I heard King Diamond do was go oh and he, so I sent him the music and I remember he called me up he's like man I got a whole I've got the song ready to go so and I did this with a couple of guys and again this has been fucking, when, when did we work on this it was like 2000 or something like that anyway I would have a cassette or a CD or something and we would like, we, we would sync the CDs. You know, like, you know, I'd call up, you're like, okay, ready? Press start. Okay. Now at the beginning of the song, I would some King Diamond style evil laughter. And then <laughs> and he like walked me through and it was so, and he was singing on the other end. I was freaking out. It was so fucking cool. So that, whenever I think of probot, I, I do think about talking on the phone with King Diamond as he sings o- 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 the parts over the phone. You know uh, um and it was like that with a lot of guys it, 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 not quite the singing but still like listening to the songs you know i'm thinking about doing this like everybody was really pro like chronos sent me three different sets of lyrics as i recall he had a hard man lyric which i think we use he had like a, a venom style lyric and a, i don't know like all the guys really brought it so it was a wow it was a super fun process. Uh, I think the only, I'm just trying to think
1: of other shit to talk about with that.
2: I think the only singer that we had in the studio was Wino from Obsessed.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, cause I saw, I saw St. Vitus maybe about God, seven, eight years ago. And I, I was really excited to see him. Uh, they came to the triple rock social club here in Minneapolis. And I'd read this whole article, you know, around the time for the tour. And it was like, yeah, Wino's good, man. He's, he's, he's sober. He's doing really well. And like, they get up on stage and like, the first thing that Wino does is like pulls out a bottle of Jack Daniels and like starts drinking it. And then he starts like passing it around to like the the people in the front. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, well, I guess the sober thing wasn't long lasting, but it was like just, it was absolutely like, I just, I remember just like he had this vibe where he would sort of like stare into this sort of like weird, like thousand yard stare into the middle distance, like almost at nothing and the band was so heavy, and it was just almost like like this guy is just like he's just seen too much or something, you know, like it's like a rock, like Vietnam veteran or something.
2: Yeah. So yeah. like whenever the fuck we made that record twenty years ago or whatever, he was he was still pretty scary and cool. I just remember that he that he his he had a really big belt buckle, and he had his hands resting on top of his belt buckle the entire time he did the, the vocal takes The hands never moved from the belt buckle. <laughs>
0: that was pretty cool nice more general question um white max says i watched walk hard recently and got to thinking about songs made by fictional bands or artists and one is wondering if either of you have any favorites uh matt sweeney
2: oh uh yeah i like uh the the songwriting team in ishtar i love all their songs
1: ishtar do they have songs i've never seen ishtar You've never seen Ishtar,
2: and no. you're a music enthusiast.
1: No, come uh, on! Wow, well,
3: uh... so it's
2: it's it's a really really good movie. It's it's there's a you, you could read about why it was maligned. It it, it uh, it's kind of an interesting story, uh, but the movie's a very good comedy with moments of like mind blowing brilliance, in my opinion. And the first fifteen minutes are like. You should just like watch it right now. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's all I could say. You sold me. It's, uh, it's where it's where Dumb and Dumber came out of, uh, for for example. Um, but they, they the the characters are songwriters, and uh, and the 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 movie open. It's the best beginning of a movie ever. That's all I can say. If if you like, if you if you think that the pursuit of music is funny, tragic, uh, you know, noble or anything in between just watch the beginning of that movie
0: yeah elaine may's work is getting a sort of a critical reappraisal lately right i only watched mikey and nicky for the first time
2: a couple weeks back That movie's so fucking good um yeah but yeah yeah this movie you know got got panned for a number of reasons that have nothing to do, to, to do with the movie. Like, it, you know, it was the two mm. biggest dramatic stars were playing against type, and so everybody was just annoyed at that. You know, um mm. they were they were playing comedy, so it was like, who? You know, so everybody was like, who these? Who do these guys think they are? That you know, they can't be funny. So, so basically, everybody was talking so much shit about the movie that it sunk it. You know, and then also yeah. Elaine May, you know, she's a, a woman director with a huge budget, and so everybody was on her about that and yeah, yeah. then also the movie is like a takedown of the cia <laughs> and uh, uh so there's i have very little doubt that you know that the cia also was like made, made a point of like <laughs> let's just tell everyone this movie fucking sucks it's a wow. mark of a
0: good movie though yeah
2: yes
1: yeah see, I, I only
2: if you're my if you're my age oh sorry it, it's just that it was it was the first movie that i ever heard about that everybody said was bad but nobody saw it was the beginning of a whole new way of like, yeah. of, of taking stuff in, you know, which is, it was the beginning of people talking about stuff as opposed to seeing stuff for themselves. Um, and uh, uh, like entertainment tonight was just coming to the fore, you know, believe it or not, I swear to God that it used to be like, you would have to kind of, there, there wasn't a whole culture of people talking about what the budgets of movies were and blah, oh, blah, yeah. you know, like nobody, nobody fucking cared.
1: Daily grosses. Like yes, who gives and, a shit? And, yeah.
2: And, 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 and Ishar was one of the first movies that somehow like everybody knew that it was a big budget movie that went over budget, you know, just all this kind of shit. It's like, why does everybody, why does anybody know or care? You know? Um, but that's probably another, that's another story, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is an interesting one, which is like, it, it's, People kind of agree that Ishtar got an extremely weird, raw deal. Huh. Critically. And Because it's known. And talk to somebody like your parents' age, they'll probably go, Ishtar? No, I've never seen Ishtar. Why would I see that? the worst movie ever. Mm-hmm. And then nobody knows anything about
1: it. Yeah, totally. You're right, though. I just noticed a punchline, like Heaven's Gate. You know what I mean? Which I think Heaven's Gate got, it got kind of reevaluated.
2: Yes, because this is not a bad movie either. And again, yeah. there were reasons why. Because people in power weren't
1: happy about it you know right right
2: and again i'm not gonna say it's it the greatest movie in the world blah, blah but it's fucking awesome and for sure the first 15 minutes are the greatest
1: thing ever <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna i'm gonna answer the question I, but just because i saw this last night and it kind of was like whoa what am i watching have you guys ever seen winter kills no it's by this guy named william reichert um, and it's basically a sort of a Romano Clef kind of weird, like semi comedic conspiracy kind of movie about the Kennedy assassination. It's got a very young, Je- Je- young, young Jeff Bridges and uh, John Houston, who is fucking amazing and hilarious is just this filthy, like Joe Kennedy guy. And that's it's, who he was, <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, it's, and it's, it, it's like the plot. I don't know. It almost reminds, I don't know if like the Cohen brothers were fans of this movie. Because it's some like almost like a burn after reading and stuff I don't know it's it's great it's it's, it's a flawed movie but it, it winter winter kills? winter kills, but it's very broad but it's it's very like paranoid almost like imagine like sort of a, a weird like surrealistic comedy version of some of those movies like uh uh those mid seventies movies like you know uh, parallax view or like you know but like imagine like a kind of goofball comedy version of that um very odd movie, but it's on amazon prime uh but it's uh, back to would, the
2: I was, yeah. was going to say, as far as this dystopic kind of paranoid movies, a really great one is called Cutter's Way. Um, that's It's so, so, so good. And that's okay. post-Vietnam. all takes place in Santa Barbara, and it's an interesting movie because it's incredibly dark, but it's all shot in like bright sunlight. Um, it's really good.
0: Another okay. Another young Jeff Bridges joint.
1: Yes, that's why I thought it, it was, was great, man. Um, but back
2: yeah, and, to the question. And he's really good at
1: it. Yeah. I guess, I mean, Spinal Tap to me, like, I love Spinal Tap, and I think those songs, like, really actually hold up very well and they're well played. Um, another one, a little more obscure, though, not obscure, but maybe to younger people, like The Ruddles, which was sort of this, like, Beatles parody by Neil Innes and um, Eric Idol of Bonnie. I mean, it is one of those records where, like, I, you know, Meet The Ruddles, you can probably find it in a used record store for very little, but. It's kind of a joke, but those guys are super talented, and it's super well arranged, and like no expense was spared.
2: Yeah, it's cool. It, it's that that's kind of a famous record. It's like this is kind of cooler than the Beatles. <laughs> you
1: know? I mean, it, they're they're jokes, but man, they're like it's genuinely good songwriting. Yeah, so I, I would say the Ruttles meet meet the Ruttles is a is a great one that people might not have. No, no. So Spinal Tap's obviously very well known, but. That one maybe not as much anymore, so I check that out. Yeah,
2: and then also I would say if you
1: if you like Richard Hell on the song
2: Blank Generation, check out the song Beat Generation. I'm trying to remember the guy who did it. it I feel like it was the same guy who did Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, but I could be wrong. But it's that kind of song. It's a it's a uh, it's a 50s novelty song.
0: Nice. I uh, I think I hear the tinkling of plates and silverware and stuff. Do you have time for one last question? Sure awesome uh michael gibler says um what are your favorite pieces of live music not an overall set necessarily but a single piece of music um i'll start with helgeson this time uh what's your single favorite piece of live music live recorded yeah yeah wow it's gonna be a, it's gonna be uh, a hard one yeah
2: there's no such uh, thing. I, I, I don't have a single favorite i i don't have a single favorite everything anything but i would recommend check out check out uh my, uh rattlesnake shake by fleetwood mac from the boston tea party 1969 i think uh you can find it on youtube fleetwood mac boston tea party rattlesnake shake that's pretty fucking mighty as far as like a live recording that is somewhere you know it's if you like the velvet underground if you like the grateful dead if you like anything if you like Easy top um whatever it's that 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 song is pretty uh, and that particular uh recording is fucking insane so but you know i certainly yeah. don't have any favorite I, I don't have any favorite but that's a that's one that people tend to be have their eyes brows raised because a lot of people don't even know that Fleetwood back was a, like one of the best bands ever be prior to the uh the american yeah journey.
1: peter green's amazing um that's a tough question you see, like many like jazz records like that wasn't uncommon for a lot of jazz. All jazz record. records are live. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's kind of tough. <laughs> yeah. Um just this is just something I'm just gonna say it because I just like found out about it like six months ago. Go on YouTube, it's called Listen to This Eddie. It's a Led Zeppelin bootleg seventy seven at the LA Forum. And man, they come in with Song Remains the Same and like Bonzo is playing at like breakneck speed and it's it's the whole thing is a you know, like guy like two and a half, three hour thing on YouTube, but it was. It's just like it's, I, I think it's way better than any of the officially released live stuff they ever put out, and um, it's really them, like the late period Zeppelin. Like, I guess they were maybe sober that night or on the right amount of drugs, but like I was they gonna were say, a, probably on the right shift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, whatever the the package was good that night, and they uh, they were. It's it's pretty like you understand like how you know terrifying they could be at times at their best. Yes, that sounds good,
2: and uh, and I would say uh, in in closing, since this seems to be a, a, a somewhat rock rock leaning audience, uh, I would say if you guys like rock guitar, you should if you haven't already check out M. Moktar M D O U new word M O C T A R. He has a album a new album just about to come out on Matador oh, Records. But I know. Uh, in general, I would recommend L- anybody who likes rock guitar to start listening to African guitar music because some of the best stuff in the world is happening right now. And it's just kind of, I'm so tired of hearing (laughs) guitars played the way that they're always played. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, and then right now, like we are in a golden era of extremely, extremely exciting music, uh, guitar rock music that to me sounds like the way that rock music, like should sound and never did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I've mentioned him a few times. It, it comes up like what's the best show you've seen recently. Like I, I saw him about three years ago at a place in Minneapolis called the Cedar cultural center. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's a nonprofit venue on the West bank, which is a very heavy, um, uh, Somali area. So yeah, yeah. Um, there was, there was a lot of like cool, like he was excited cause he could go to like, you know, halal places and stuff. And so they were really into it. And I, I was like, to me, it felt like, you know, people talk about seeing Hendrix or people talk about seeing, like, Eddie Van Halen or whatever. And I was like, and, like, he, he, you know, because he came out and he had the headdress on. And he it, by the end, he had, like, he made us do a moment of silence for Prince at the beginning because we were in Minneapolis. Um, and, like, but he came down in the middle of, of the, there was dancers. And, he you know, he got, like, in the middle of the pit, like, got down on his knees and did, like, the kind of Hendrix, like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, he does like, all that. And it was just, like. Boat stuff. Yeah, but it was just like I just saw him, and I'm like this kid, this guy's a star, man. This is just like I I just felt like this must have been what it felt like when when you know I you know obviously you know we weren't around for that kind of stuff to see Hendrix or you know Jeff Beck or whatever you know, but it's just like wow, like this kid is just he's doing it, you know? Yeah, he's a, he's incredible. It kind of it it, it just
2: amazes me that there were these just guys like. Joe Bonamassa and John Mayer and these guys, if anybody is paying attention. It's like, <laughs> sense that it makes sense that there's a Blue Lives oh, Matter man. movement, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But
1: anyway. <laughs> Bonamassa, man, he's got a lot. You can't take away the fact that he's got a lot of guitars. If you judge a guitar player by how many he, ha- he has.
2: So brutal. It's just so <laughs> brutal. He's, he's the it's best. It's so dark.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say that
2: we were talking about with all the allegations against him and all the horrible things that he did, but his vibe is sunny and bright compared to Joe
3: Biden. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna leave talking shit about joe Bonamassa. i like it um matt this was so much fun we so much appreciate your time and, and taking the time to talk and it was it was really it was a fun conversation so thank you so much yeah thanks i
2: love yep. Minneapolis, and uh and uh i'm psyched that you guys had me on i really appreciate it thanks
1: awesome yeah. man. well hey take care and good luck with uh with all your upcoming projects super wolves i believe on april 30th and uh the red dead stuff is out now so check it out
2: yeah man check it All right.
1: thanks bye right. see you later bye bye